Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. I just want to make you really mad with my Florence and the Machine impression. Do you want to hear it? No. Wait, I need to find a tambourine somewhere. Do I have like a bag of beans I can grab? <laughs> well, he fucked me in the bathroom. He fucked me in the head. Okay, you're just trolling me live on our podcast. <laughs> I'm Florence and the Machine. I love trans people. (laughs) (laughs) Today we are talking about something that honestly has been a very long time coming. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And let me tell you, Lord of the Rings was easily top five most formative pieces of culture to Rose and I's childhoods. Maybe more so important to Rose today than it is to me today. However, it is something that we have effectively schooled each other on, you know, time and time again. And it is something that you, the virgins, have asked time and time again for us to talk about. So for those reasons, today we are talking about Lord of the Rings, the books, the movies, the cultural phenomenon, the whole extended universe, because this is like a virgin, the show where we give yesterday's pop culture today's takes. I am Rose Damu, your resident fool of a toque. And I am Fran Torado, your local Galadriel. And uh, in the words of a wise man, fly, you fools. How the hell are you? 
so, so good. So real. So real. A- as the Black Eyed Peas would say, both, both so, so real, real and, and surreal. surreal. <laughs> we have been truly having a Black Eyed Peas spring. <laughs> And I think it's going to roll over into a Black Eyed Peas summer and for sure fall and winter as well. Wait, can we discuss this? Because like all of a sudden I had a few friends that started listening to it again around the same time that I was revisiting Monkey Business, which, as I've said on the pod before, was one of the first albums I ever purchased with my own money, along with Love Angel Music Baby. And then there was that Black Eyed Peas SNL sketch. And I yeah, was like, is I there think, a Zons happening? I, yeah, I think they truly have an unshakable grip on all of our necks. And yeah. I love that for them. Pump It is an untouchable bop. Like, as yes. an opener to an album, like, it's still, like, holds all the way up. Like, it doesn't even feel dated. It feels amazing. It feels current. current. It could be. It's yesterday, today, tomorrow. Yeah. Just for context, like we were like in Joshua Tree, like listening to this whole album. And then the interlude from my humps played where they go, so real, so real. And we were like stoned. We were like, are they saying so real or are they saying surreal and that that's it the is, layers it of is, the black it is an enig- it's an enigma i also there was a really great moment at the end of our trip where you ash justin and i were hugging and just started spontaneously singing no lies <laughs> no 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 um, it's it's really it's really beautiful another um, standout from God. that album was the bridge that i completely forgot about of pump it where they go damn 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 <laughs> I'm not going to start singing because then you'll start talking about how I always sing. Yeah. Wait, speaking of singing, I did listen to the new Florence and the Machine album in preparation for for today. Okay. I'm not, I'm not excited to hear your take on it because I feel like it's going to be negative. Are you Um, saying, maybe you're projecting because you also did not like the album as much as you would have. No, I do love it, but Mm. I know that you hate me and want me to suffer. (laughs) Is that the dynamic? I, so here's the thing. I've already said before, Florence was like, I'm an OG Florence stan. Um, There was really not a lot to latch onto with this album, I felt. I I really liked Daffodil. I love um, Free. Is it free? The one that's kind of like thumpy yeah. and quick. Free, free was the last single she released before the album came out. Um, yeah, free is my favorite song. But like when Florence arrived on the music scene, she was a novelty, and there was nothing that sounded like her, and it, it was just immediately ingenious. And now I feel like she's made a, th- this album three times, and I wish that there was something more like the song Free that would have changed her pace or made it seem like more than sensual chamber music for people that used to have Tumblr. You know what I mean? I see merit in that critique. I'm going to validate that. that. Um, I do think that Florence makes a very specific kind of music. I am very dialed into Mm. it. And always love it. And I think there's some really beautiful songs on this album. Like, I really loved the singles she put out um, since the album came out. Dream Girl Evil is one I've been Mm. listening to a lot. I really like Cassandra. I really like Girls Against God. But yeah, I think her last few records, especially the last one, Highest Hope, have been a lot 
quieter and more introspective and like I I do think there are some bangers on this album yeah. but yes it's it's a it's very different I love it I love Florence I love how committed she is yeah. to her aesthetic her sound to making the kind of music she makes I will say and like I don't think this is a good excuse when you're talking about music but seeing her live is such a transcendent experience and I did see her when she was touring Highest Hope. Um, and even with a record, and that is probably my least favorite of her albums, but even still, seeing the songs live, they just become completely transcendent. And she is such a captivating performer. And I just love her. I love the album. I will defend her until the end of time. Yeah. Um, but I I do agree that, you know, there was... um. A couple years ago, I think after ceremonials, she said that she wanted to make like an electronic dance album. And that never happened. I think the closest we ever got to it was when she did that song Sweet Nothing. Oh, I love. Which I which I love. I'm obsessed with. I do think it might be good for her at some point to do a like kind of one off experimental album that might sort of like just change things up for her and probably will infuse her music going forward with kind of different vibes. But all that to be said, I really like Dance Fever. I would love to see her tour this album because I think it would just, hearing the songs in that context would bring them even more to life for me than they are now. And it's an album that I certainly will spend a lot more time with and have even since it came out. I've been listening to it a lot. Um, When I was in New York this week, I was listening to a lot when I was walking around Mm. Brooklyn and it's just like really beautiful. I love it. And I will kill you for not liking it. So here's the thing. It's not that I'm even like criticizing her. I mean, okay. I will say for an album called dance fever, there were not a lot of dance songs. Okay. There There are are. three. It's just, there are like three. First of all, second of all, but like you can you but you slow dance. Oh, you know, girl, dance does you not are have to stretching. Be, She's reaching, Your Honor. Fran, She's reaching. No, but Fran, this is the thing. All you listen to are fucking remixes of songs. <laughs> That's not true. And not, not everything true. is going to be something no, no, no. like you I, hear out. At I a club. love remixes, but I do not listen to majority remixes. I think that honestly, the way I really do feel about Florence is that she was like my like in my the top tier of music artists that I adored for a really long time in my Tumblr era. And I think that because she has not changed, but my taste has changed, that her music, which is sonically gorgeous and still of its own kind, and just as you said, like unlike anything out there still, is something that I, on a taste level, have maybe outgrown. But I also feel like Music artists, especially women in music, like shouldn't have to reinvent themselves over and over again. Like there are women like Lana or even Adele, honestly, although I do think Adele's last album was very different, like that can do the same thing over and over again and they'll always have their base. And I think that that is just something that, you know, I really honor. And you are someone who like your taste level is essentially, you know, a pantheon of Caucasian yodelers with Lexapro prescriptions that that you idolize. You know, the Fiona Apple, Alanis, Kate Bush, Florence the Machine. There's one more in there. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor doesn't yodel as much. 
I mean, this is all not untrue, but I do, I will take, I do take umbrage with the idea that Florence hasn't changed mm. because I think her songwriting has gotten so much, hmm. so much both sharper and softer. Mm. Like, I, I think she, if you really take the time and really listen, the, the lyrics are so beautiful and her voice is still just haunting she is a siren she is a banshee she is the moment for me still do you did you notice this is a stupid tangent but did you notice that like in the little like spotify album art florence and the machine is 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 abbreviated to ftm <laughs> yeah yeah a uh, girl do you think is I that, that? so do you think she know? do you think anyone's told her that do you yeah. think it's is Florence it is has it so, music? Florence has so many trans friends. She's like good Judy's <laughs> with Sean Faye, Tommy Dorfman. Uh, Someone definitely uh, was like, Amru. Oh my God, lo- love that you're trans mask now. Okay, I, I literally like how do we become, you know, among the echelon of Florence's trans friends? Like how, how do we how do we accomplish this? Do you think I don't know. I I have I have been wondering about this for a while, but I actually don't think I could ever meet her because I'm t- she is and this is so gay to say she's too important to me. <laughs> I similarly I would never want to meet Cher because like I don't want Cher to like ruin Cher for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, there you some idols you just no. shouldn't meet. Although I have met Gaga and it was a fun interaction. Okay, wait. I didn't even ask you about your New York trip. How did it go? It was um, really good to be in New York. It was also weird. It was disgusting the whole time I was uh-huh. there. It's probably like the most humid weekend <laughs> of the yeah. year. So it was horrible for like looking cute, but it was good. I it weirdly ended up well. Okay, so uh, peeling back the curtain for all the virgins for Christmas, Fran got me the very sweet gift of two tickets to see New York City Center's Encore's production of Into the which Woods. Which is your favorite? Um, which was... Sondheim. It's my... It's my... Mm, Tide. Favorite, like, Tide with Sweeney mm. Todd. Um, but Into the Woods does kind of, like, eke out mm. a little bit forward. And it was incredible. <laughs> First of all, the tickets were amazing. Thank you so much. I truly... It, it was such a thoughtful gift Aww. and such an amazing experience Aww, I got to go with my with my best friend Ryan it was great the um the production was great it's like very simple orchestra was on stage like very minimal staging everyone was incredible Heather who originated the role of Aida and Aida was so fucking wow. good as the witch um her last midnight gave me chills um, Sarah Bareilles, I like am not a huge Sarah Bareilles stan. She was so fucking She's good. Dead. Her voice is like butter. Her tone is so pure. Everything she does is effortless. And the Baker's Wife really is like the sleeper hit oh, role of that I show. That. I think she has some of the surprisingly memorable moments of the show. Um, Neil Patrick Harris was was really good too. The one thing that is bad about this production <laughs> and i think it's transferring to broadway that's what the the best the like broadway.com message boards are saying according to ryan so at the end of the show i I've, the most moving song in the show for me is the finale children will mm-hmm. listen so the finale is happening i'm sobbing and then 
like the emotional crux of this finale, the house lights come on and a like community theater group walks out into the aisles to sing the end of the finale song with the cast. I have never been taken out of a moment so abruptly as Wait, I why have the house during... lights? Not the house lights. That's so be- jarring. Because, be- yes, it was incredibly jarring. I, I went from sobbing to, like, confused so quickly. It was such a weird choice. And actually, my, my brother had seen the show already and the night before had said to me, there's something that happens in the show that I really didn't like. I'm very interested to hear what your take on it is. I won't spoil it for you. And it was this, uh-huh. obviously. It's it just really took you out of the moment. Um, it really cut the like effect of the uh, the effectiveness of the emotional core of that song off in in a really unfortunate way and undercut what the cast was doing on stage. And like you know, like the the people from this community theater, they're really going for but- it. Like standing in the aisles, they're like singing along and like pointing and stuff and it's it was just not good not right i hope if it goes to broadway they won't do it i mean i'm sure it won't because they would have to pay those people and like that just won't happen at every performance but yeah other other than that it was wonderful i had a great time so thank you again so okay Fuck theater. Fuck theater. Let's talk about let's talk about the real show of TV. the week, which was the premiere of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills season twelve. Obviously, a premiere episode that was very centered on one yeah. thing that we all knew. Would, was I actually coming, forgot? I which totally was Dorit and PK's house getting broken into and Dorit getting held at gunpoint. And honestly, it feels like the rest of the season's going to be around like. Their PTSD. Oh, yeah. The ramifications, you know, will be felt throughout the rest of the season. The moment that was the most chilling for me was at the end when she was sitting outside alone going, I'm fine. Oh, my God. People are still saying that the burglary was (gasps) fake. I, after seeing this episode, do not believe it. Like seeing PK crying about not being there. Wait, the most horrible and also entertaining moment of the episode was Sutton talking to Kyle and being a complete sociopath. Sociopath. No other word for it. And that's like at a very exact usage, like a sociopathic level of self-involvement. Absolutely no empathy. Like it doesn't even matter how it was edited. There's no way for it to have been edited for it. It it was bad. Horrible person. Horrible person. Great, Great reality, reality TV <laughs> character. I hate Sutton. I hate her and you so can, much. And you can be both. You can be both. And actually, sometimes they are, they're required to yes, go together. Yes, and every every season, I unfortunately have to very toxically rank them. And I, I really don't know where Sutton's going to land for me because I hate, 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 hate Sutton. And yet, she really is endlessly entertaining because she's so horrible. Um, I have to say, like... This, I think Dorit's thing, I, I'm like honestly horrified to find out that people are like doubted that it was ever real. Like, oh, I well, don't that even was know. the thing everyone was saying when the news broke. Be- I think because of the timing of it, it happened the day before they were supposed to start oh, filming. Oh, God. But I don't, I just think I could see Sutton staging her yes. own robbery, but I, no, I don't I, think so. I just don't, that would never be my immediate reaction but i don't actually know anybody that that felt that way so it must be like a lot of online sentiment but like 
I feel like it's reminding me, honestly, of season two, where they're dealing with an extremely real, painful, traumatic event that has been reality TV-ified. And I'm, it's going to be hard to watch. Yes, I actually, on the plane to New York... I hadn't watched the premiere yet, but I was flying JetBlue there, and they had live TV, and there was a Beverly Hills Marathon happening on oh, Bravo, so I tuned I tuned in for a little bit until my Xanax kicked <laughs> in, um, and it was season two, um, the episode where they're at Maurizio's um, birthday dinner, they go to Hawaii oh, for his birthday, right. and Kim misses the plane, uh, and then she and her boyfriend show up late, and I just, oh, it made me so horrible, horrible early, boyfriend. For early Beverly That was Hills. one of Mauricio's golden moments, where he was, he literally called her on her bullshit. He was just like, no, like, you were late, and this is disrespectful, and I just want, we need to like, get Kim, we need to get Kim back. <laughs> we need Kim back no, on the don't. show. There is, there is nothing like, like a season of Real Housewives when people are related and there is real family drama. That's why New Jersey is still elite in my I ways. will be watching New Jersey the next time I get the stomach flu. Um, I have to say that as far as like, um, just to go back to the Sutton thing, I really, really, really hate Kyle when she is so spineless in an interaction like that to be kind of unable to really say what's wrong with going with, with with what's going on. Because if if you, my extremely good yes. friend, acted like that to me, I would I be... would I would like slap you. I would say you're you I'd be girl, like you, you what are the fuck l- is wrong with you? <laughs> I'd be like you are lucky there are I'd another say, people here of, right now. Get like, out of my transgender home. Anyways, I was just like I, it's moments like that where I really I just like have never really loved Kyle as a protagonist for the entire franchise. Um, but I, I really need her to like grow a spine because like right now it's just like not cutting it. She won't. She never will. She hasn't Unfortunately, yet. I am back on team Erica. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not proud of this fact. I don't I have, see it. I don't I understand. Always I, been, you have you have you have gone on record saying that she's your favorite housewife. She is no longer my favorite housewife, unfortunately. But I do think that there was a moment in the confessional where she was really trying to evade questions that the producer was asking her. And she was just like, they ended up like sharing what the producer was asking her because she was being so indignant. She was like, Well, fucking duh. Like, and I just thought that was so iconic. No, but she was also like dodging questions about the Tom Girardi yeah, of it yeah, all yeah. and like things being settled. Right. And bl- she's so she's it's such I don't bullshit. think she's going to be my favorite from this season. I think the new villain whatever her face is. Oh, the new girl coming in who apparently I heard is rumored to have once like been somewhat involved with Jeffrey Epstein in Oh, great. Like she was a sort of a Galane, no, another Galane, no, maybe. No, yeah. I oh, mean, God, R- truly, truly. I mean, cursed. honestly, they probably all have affiliations with Jeffrey Epstein. Like, let's be real. Like, it's. Uh, but yeah. um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I think you all will need to get used to the fact that we will be probably discussing Beverly Hills weekly on this. I don't podcast. know about weekly, and maybe we'll do a, a Housewives episode because I think that is one of the things that I did pressure you into yes like watching you are the you are the kind of thing to push me over the edge to start watching oh you're oh you're calling me a thing now i'm calling you a okay great (laughs) no 
virgins it's been so fun engaging with you on instagram if you aren't already please follow our burner finsta alt whatever like a virgin for 2069 we've been getting suggestions and i mean not criticism yet but like i would accept criticism in the dms i wouldn't necessarily you know incorporate it into anything i do or say but i would love to hear what you have to say This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required at your portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. How would an orc's dick even fit in a hobbit? I think orc dicks must be really spiky. As someone who has read a lot of Lord of the Rings fan fiction, I have spent a lot of time thinking about the anatomy of the different races of Middle Earth. And? And most of my preoccupation is with how would a hobbit hole take the dick of... (laughs) 
say an elf. Not or hobbit hole. Hobbit hole, yeah. Hobbit hole has multiple meanings, honey. We honestly need to, every time we like use terms, we need to like explain them for Phoebe. A hobbit, hobbit hole is a double entendre. It's, <laughs> you do. <laughs> Phoebe knows both definitions. Got it. Okay. Uh, do you really see yourself as a Galadriel? Yeah. I mean, what else would I? What else would I be? What, I, what do you see me as? This okay. is a very important. Okay. Episode. Let's okay. start here. Let's start here. Okay. I think you are more of. I don't know that you're an elf. I, yeah, they're way too graceful. Um, I I think Hobbit. I'm probably a hobbit. I'm I'm anxious. I can't get a lot done. I I feel like uh I I make a mess of things, but I'm ultimately chaotic good. Yeah, hobbits get are giving me because of how much they love their things and they yeah. love food and revelry they're giving me very taurus energy so i do think you are a hobbit the indulgences of hobbits and their 12 meals that they have a day mm. is very taurian behavior yeah, However, second breakfast honestly i mean let's take it back to and their little hobbit holes full of plants <laughs> my um, hobbit hole is not filled with plants okay so what 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 of the middle earthian races do you think i am well i was actually going to ask you okay just to answer your question very quickly i think think it's going to be wizard. Oh, it's going to be wizard. And unfor- there, unfortunately, there are no women in, in the Lord of the Rings right, franchise. Right. So I can't assign you like a... Because I was going to say, I was almost going to say I could see myself as a dwarf. But there are witches in the Tolkien universe. It just, they didn't appear. But but um, I was going to ask you, growing up, when you were watching these movies or reading the books... Did you supplant yourself on any specific character? Because I really feel that um, this is one of those unique entities where I really did not relate to any character. No, same. I was a, I was an observer. I yes. was very immersed in the world, but yes. there was no like I'm Hermione. There, that's not what Lord of the Rings was for me. Honestly, maybe a testament to like the artifice of relatability and the universal story, and how like a lot of Hollywood execs always talk about like you need to be able to see yourself in this character and blah blah blah. And it's like that's actually bullshit. Like. Lord of the Rings had absolutely nothing to do with me. Even the humanity of these characters behind all the fantasy really didn't resonate with me at all. And yet, it's a fucking good story. You yes. Know? Well, okay. So I want to know, what was your first experience with J.R.R. Tolkien's creations? You know, my dad was a big C.S. Lewis fan. And then by default, our whole family was. And so, you know, we grew up with a lot of Narnia things. Reading books. Or Narnia. Or Narnia. <laughs> or the places you'll go. Um, and so, by association, C.S. Lewis was best friends with Tolkien. I think that was something that my dad always talked mm, about. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe boots the house <laughs> down. Yes, exactly. And so, I think by association, my dad tried to get me to read the Lord of the Rings books. I have ADHD, probably, and so definitely couldn't finish any of them. But I definitely checked out the um, – do you remember the monster-sized compilation – of the three books with the ring wraith on the cover that yes. they released in time yep. for the movies. Yep. I, remember I remember checking it well. It was gorgeous. And I remember checking that out and trying to read it. But ultimately, the movies is what solidified my love for this franchise. And then through that, the visual companions, the merchandise, the extended editions, like the, the, the theatrical releases, like everything around the culture of Lord of the Rings was an obsession for my family and I. Um, Did you ever have the ring? 
Unfortunately, I did. And I, I had absolutely the, did I as had well. the nice one, girl. Like, the one from the catalog. Mm. Like, the official Lord of the Rings jewelry catalog that sold, like, the Elven Star and, like, the swords. The merch that I had that was the most important to me was I had an Arwen action figure. It was um, a set. It was Arwen, who had a horse, Bilbo, and then the Ring Wraith, also on a horse, from the scene where they chase Arwen and she goes through the river and does her little Caroline Polachek moment where she's like, nim nim shoo da 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 Definitely in that movie, if not the entire franchise. I mean, the only scene with one of the three (laughs) scenes featuring a woman. Yeah, 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 Um, exactly. Okay, but to answer the question I asked you, because you didn't ask me it back, um, (laughs) my entry point into all things Tolkien was I received the book The Hobbit as a Hanukkah gift one year when I was, I want to say, nine or ten. Before um, the movies. Before the movies. And even though before we started recording, you told me that you thought that I had never actually finished The Hobbit and hated it, which um, was very hurtful to me. I'm sorry. Um, Because actually it is definitely one of the defining books of my childhood. Mm. And I remember receiving it so vividly. And it's like such a root memory for me. And that's when I fell in love with it and started reading the books. And then the movies came out. And... I was so obsessed with the movies. I had them all on DVD. Well, I had them on VHS first and then DVD. Every day for like a year, I would start Fellowship of the Ring when I got into bed, and that's what would like lull me to sleep. Wow. Okay. I mean, the answer to this question might be obvious, but like what about the world of The Hobbit or just like Tolkien-esque kind of world building in general was so captivating to you? Well, I think with The Hobbit itself, it is the way that the story is told. And I think some of that comes from part of the backstory of how The Hobbit was created. So, you know, obviously Lord of the Rings looms larger in the cultural consciousness than The Hobbit does. But The Hobbit is what was written first. And Mm -hmm. It wasn't actually written as a book. It was a story that J.R.R. Tolkien used to tell his kids, and then he turned it into a book. And that's why the book itself is so episodic. Like, Mm -hmm. every chapter is a new adventure that Bilbo goes on in which he learns something or finds something or, like, saves someone. And in a very meta way, um, it's passed down through generations, through children, via an oral history. Yes. And so that is what I immediately latched onto was that kind of storytelling nature. I think the my favorite part of the Hobbit books is the chapter with the trolls where— Oh, um, they get kidnapped. Where—no, where—, where, where, no, where um, yeah, where the trolls kidnap the dwarves and Bilbo and Gandalf like outsmart them and they turn to stone at the end. The premise of The Hobbit, for those that don't know, is Bilbo Baggins, who is the kind of father figure in the Lord of the Rings franchise that kind of puts a lot of the um, plot in motion, um, basically leaves Hobbiton for the first time at kind of Gandalf's pressing for the first time he meets Gandalf as well to basically go and defeat Smog the dragon or well, no, no, it's it's to help to it's to help Thorin Oakenshield who is the king under the mountain reclaim his kingdom right. which has been usurped by Smog the dragon and he and a company of 12 question mark dwarves yeah. um go travel to Smog's lair to kind of reclaim it yes and then I I was very much led into Lord of the Rings in a really organic way because that is how Tolkien 
intended it to be mm-hmm. because Lord of the Rings is in many ways, you know, Tolkien was creating these stories for his children and his children were growing up. So then after he wrote The Hobbit, he then went on to create Lord of the Rings, which is obviously much more adult and, you know, had to kind of go and like retcon a lot of what's in Lord of the Rings to make it fit into the universe. Because the thing is in the books, like the ring that Bilbo finds, it's just another like narrative yeah, thing. Like device, it's, yeah. It's it's not like in when when the ring comes into play in The Hobbit it's not the ring of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know, it's just like a magical ring that turns him invisible. Yeah. And then in Lord of the Rings, you know, he decides, okay, this is actually going to be like, you know, the the MacGuffin object that has all this power and that everyone wants and needs to be destroyed. Yeah. And, and hobbits, I would also say, as a race, are an encapsulation of like a kind of fundamental theme in Tolkien's work, which is that heroism comes from the most unexpected places and that you can doubt all you want the like power and ability of someone who doesn't look or feel or sound like a hero, someone who doesn't even want to be a hero. Um, and yet here they are. And like, I think that in both the Hobbit and a little bit in the Lord of the Rings as well, they demonstrate basically Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. But like the refusal of the call is like a quintessential stage in Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And in The Hobbit, Bilbo was like, fuck not, am I leaving Hobbiton? You know what I mean? And like Frodo... And he gets tricked into it. Yes, he gets um, tricked. Although in the movies that's changed and they and they make it his choice which to I, go on the trip. Which I do think like is kind of narratively better. It I, is. I like that. But... You know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. But whereas whereas in Lord of the Rings, Frodo does make the choice to go on this journey. And, you know, when we were uh, talking before about this episode, you brought up the idea of the Chosen One. And I think Lord of the Rings specifically is such a subversion of that narrative of the Chosen One, which I think the Chosen One is kind of like a an almost more modern fantasy take than fantasy that was being created in the time that Tolkien was writing this. Um, it's actually very old. It's like, it like predates a lot of like, Well, I, I just mean like in terms of like contemporary literature mm. because, you know, these this kind of book that Tolkien was writing wasn't being really written for adults at the time. Yeah. And chosen the Chosen One idea does feel very like juvenile to me because it's uh, it's very something that like, a young person in a story is like is grafted onto them that they're the only person and who can like save the kingdom or like defeat the the dark lord or whatever and in lord of the rings you know frodo isn't chosen yeah. he just like winds he inherits the ring and he makes the decision to go on this very arduous journey and there's nothing like inherently good in him that helps him like defeat the bad guy and actually in the end, he gives in to the evil. He does not throw the ring into Mount Doom. He actually is going to keep it for himself, and it's only because Gollum attacks him that the ring ends up being destroyed. On this whole show, you're so right as well. It's like such a spin on like the Chosen One narrative because like dating back to literally the Bible, which is like maybe one of the OG like Chosen narrative stories, a story that like 
maybe didn't, I, I don't think the Bible necessarily influenced a lot of Tolkien's work, even though a lot of Christians love to create allegories and like alignments between Lord of the Rings and the Bible. But like C.S. Lewis was very in her Bible zhuzh and they were best friends. And so I think that. Or more than friends. Or more than, I mean, do you think? Do you think they were? You were do you think they were? They were. I think they. Li- I think they at least jerked off together once. They have definitely, yeah, pulled their padges in a dark room. God, I hate that fucking pull, phrase. Pulling your padge. Yeah. yeah, they were. They were definitely circle jerking in a dark room together while you know reading well, uh, reading reading song Song of Solomon probably. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, I, uh, I the reason say Aslan when you come. <laughs> No, not Aslan. Aslan and Ga- Gandalf are kind of like um, the Lion, the Witch, and the Astroglide. <laughs> uh, the Ast- Lion, the Witch, and the Boy Butter. No, yeah, not Astroglide. Hopefully, the Lion, some, the Witch, uh, and the Coconut gun, Oil. Gun, gun Oil. Oh no. Um. Anyways, uh, all I, I, I don't. I think that um, Tolkien and um, C.S. Lewis's relationship, I think, is actually very reflected in Lord of the Rings, particularly homoerotic, if not. Homosocial, if not homoerotic, between Sam and Frodo, between all of the male characters, all, yeah. Because let's get into that. I mean, you you talk a lot about. I mean, you post a lot of fan, a lot of fan art. Oh for yeah. All. Okay. Lord of the Rings is gay down because there are no women. There's no women. Um, and Phoebe wants to know. Producer Phoebe wants to know why there are no women. In, There's no in women, the show. probably because. Uh, Tolkien was like gay or scared were, of women. Well, or they were writing this in the 30s when women basically didn't exist. Yeah, because I mean, and that's honestly, there's a so Phoebe, there's a kind of like lore within the Lord of the Rings that there are no female dwarfs, and that dwarves just spring out of holes in the ground. And I think that that honestly is kind of um, indicative of how Tolkien was thinking about <laughs> women. That they really just did, were, the only service they provided was to reproduce, and, and even the women that we think of when we think of Lord of the Rings like in the books canonically there are two women who actually appear in the plot and that is Galadriel and Eowyn because Arwen is only mentioned in the appendices oh I didn't know that and they only beefed up her roles for the movie because the scene where she rescues Frodo that's a whole different character yeah. in in the books. Which I love. And you know Arwen was originally supposed to have a much bigger part in the second movie. She was supposed to be in the Battle at Helm's Deep. You broke that news to me when we watched together and I was – I'm so mad. And I think like in some ways it's kind – I understand the narrative choice because – Especially in the second movie, we're supposed to understand the singularity of Eowyn as a female warrior. And, like, a people of the time were like, well, we can't have two of them because then, like, it, you know, people won't understand that. Yeah. And I guess it, like, it does maybe make it less impactful when in the third movie, Eowyn kills the Witch King of Angmar and says, I am no man. But also, like, there can be more than one woman They're warrior. also just, <laughs> unfortunately, just not very complex characters. Like, Eowyn and Arwen are kind of one no, of the same. like, and, Arwen's like, whole arc is that, like, she is kind of badass in the first movie, and then the second movie, she's like... Oh, my heart's broken. I'm dying. <laughs> she literally spends both of those movies, like, laying in repose, like, in a gorgeous gown, being like, oh, father, like, am I going to be immortal or will I find love? Like, And then she gives up her immortality t- for a man, for Vigo Mortensen. We've seen his dick. He has shown his dick on screen. I don't think she's <laughs> I, getting anything special out of that. And he's also famously short. He's very short. Did you know that? I didn't know He's that. extremely short. Wait, did they Photoshop him so that he was taller than Arwen? 
I actually don't remember him feeling shorter in the movies. They really played around with height in every way they could. They um, did. There's lots of perspective, um, you know, trickery in the Lord of the Rings films, thanks to Peter Jackson and the, the magic he created through these movies. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required at your portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. To go back to this kind of like chosen one thing, you know, Aragorn is kind of a chosen one narrative. Frodo is kind of this, you know, there, there are a lot of different like ways we're in. Tolkien, I think, was really a a student of, like, the narrative, and he, like, was extremely literary. They were both Cambridge girls, and so they were—and, like, you know, Tolkien was, like, a a linguist. Like, he literally— 
took the languages very seriously and created literal full languages. It wasn't just kind of like a oh, I just need four lines and I'm going to make up some things and no, that'll no, be no. it. There is there is elev- he created a whole language. He also, mm. you know, there's so much text. He not only wrote all of the appendices for Lord of the Rings, there's the Silmarillion which mm. tells the backstory of you know, Sauron's rise to power and kind of all the mythology of Middle-earth. There's tons of short stories written in the world of Lord of the Rings. There's actually one which explains the backstory between Galadriel and Gandalf. Did you know that they used to fuck? What? Yes. No. Gandalf, when he used to be a Maiar, which are like the, the like kind of angelic beings that the, the wizards are when they're not in like human form... He and Galadriel used to be a thing, like, thousands and thousands of years ago. No. Yeah, but then when he finally, like, comes to Middle-earth in the form of Gandalf, she is married. um, And so they, you know, can't be together. And that's why, I guess, in the Hobbit movies, they have kind of a weird vibe. Well, Gandalf, unfortunately... Still feels pretty gay to me, or maybe Ace. Well, everyone's gay. In yeah, these everyone's gay. Yeah. Oh, wait. Fool of a toque. Wait, we need to everyone go back. Everyone is gay. Back to the homo homoeroticism of it all. We have, you know, I you 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 wrote some ships. Down I wrote here. some ships down. So the big ones are Sam and Frodo. Obviously, obviously. there's even you should go search um, Lord of the Rings Secret Lovers on uh, YouTube because there's a TBS promo in which they like have edited it to look as though Lord of the Rings is a love story about Sam and Frodo. Um, in the Hobbit trilogy, which you know is not good, but I definitely watched um, Bilbo and Thorin very much have a vibe. There's oh, yeah. lots of fan fiction about them. Legolas and Aragorn are kind of a thing. I personally am more interested in Legolas and Gimli. I was going to say Legolas and Gimli. I, I, I Legolas was... There's lots of crouching down in that relationship. <laughs> Let's just say that. I'm sure. I'm sure they have, you know, maybe a step stool involved <laughs> at some point. Legolas was really like... The sexual awakening for so many fags and and for myself, I had the hugest crush on Orlando Bloom as Legolas. To talk about that for a little bit, the fem- that uh, Legolas, this is so corny, but Legolas was like a kind of gender nonconforming kind of like you know, girl. Like, Legolas, Legolas she, is giving uh, is giving he they skirt tights. Wig, you know, or like, maybe Legolas is giving like in in their in their Instagram bio. It's like a, any pronouns are fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, any pronouns are right. Yeah, Legolas is giving that. All elves in general, I think, are kind of like they their their race and world seems to exist so much outside of Middle Earth, and like well, they're they not live really, in forests. Yes, and then what? And then they like leave to go to war to go to <laughs> uh, Valhalla or something. Well, something. something they they go to like basically heaven, but it's like not really heaven it's just this like perfect world where they the undying lands which is so sorry uninteresting <laughs> as like a as a like a, in terms of a, a writer's perspective like there's nothing interesting to me about going to like a heaven place and uh in my opinion controversially oh. i think that the last 30 minutes of the third movie are extremely boring well there's well you know there's so many fake endings and the movie drags on but you know the the fact that the that the elves go somewhere did give us the I think the best line of all the movies, which is when Galadriel says, "I passed the test. I will diminish and go into the west <laughs> and remain Galadriel." Ah, uh, yeah, which is my favorite meme of all time. <laughs> yeah, it is. The it's one very... that I post like 
20 times a year. Look, all shall love me in despair, okay, All babe? shall love... Um, that's my Twitter bio. I know. It's a, actually a perfect Twitter bio for you, not gonna lie. Yes. Um, okay, so... So in terms of other queer-coded characters yeah, in Lord so of the Rings... The, the Yurikai, um, which are the kind of bastardized orcs, orcs that's, that Saruman creates... He's bred to be killing machines. Yes. Um, they, I guess... May, might be because they have a high pony. They're definitely kind of arenators. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The orcs were coming in with big swords and they were going, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to get those hobbits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just like imagining an orc like like putting a third arrow <laughs> into Boromir. Like, just keep dying and dying and dying and dying. <laughs> we got there. We got there. Funny enough, the orcs were the only roles uh, in the show outside of the main characters that were played by women. I think, yes. I think almost a third, they say, of the orcs in the movie franchise were played by women. Love, um, diversity, and inclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Representation matters, for sure. Oh, my God. (laughs) Phoebe is dying in the booth hearing things about Tolkien for basically the first time because Phoebe's never seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And so we're like, or read the books. So we're like contextualizing all of this, and it's just bizarre out of context. Um, But yeah, um, I I feel like I, uh, growing up, I don't know if I really picked up on the homoeroticism of like these male friendships. But male homosocial friendships were the string that pulled yeah, a lot of it's these a lot relationships of like, You together. are my brother. Yes. You know, that, that kind of vibe. Yeah, and they like <laughs> caress each other's cheek for like yeah. like a like a fully holding. Like, oh holding. my friend. <laughs> yeah. I love you. Well, <laughs> even um when Boromir dies yes. in, in Fellowship of the Ring, like I mean, obviously, he and Aragorn were fucking and sucking, you know, when the hobbits were sleeping at night. That was a loss for sure. Also, maybe there's maybe some, like, incest afoot between, like, Barmir and Farmir or, like... Farmir is so hot. Farmir, Farmir is maybe hottest next to, like, And you know what I hate is that Eowyn is, like, I'm this girl boss warrior. I kill the Witch King of Angmar. And then at the end, she's like, oh, I'm gonna lay down my sword and marry Farmir. That was so boring, so lazy. Because Eowyn... Eowyn and Arwen obviously should have hooked up. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. But, like, Eowyn falling in love with Faramir, like, I don't think they even expanded on that in the extended edition. Like, it no, was so... it just like, happened. This is what I'm saying. The last and 30 Eowyn minutes are so boring, which is why the second movie is the best movie. And Eowyn... Opinion. Oh, the second movie. Absolutely. The Two best. Towers yes. is the best movie. Truebeard, are you yes. kidding me? Yes, absolutely. Truebeard, Truebeard is giving radical fairy. Also played by Jonathan Reese davies who played Gimli, who also played the elephant in my favorite childhood film, Cats Don't Dance. Get ready for that episode, by the oh way. Oh my god. You are going to have to watch it. I know. I'm um, not looking forward to it. Um, I would love to ask you if you thought Gandalf was gay. Because it was played by Ian McKellen, who is famously gay, but Sean Connery, who is famously not gay, did turn down the role. Um, I think Gandalf transcends sexuality. So he's agender. I think Gandalf is a um, trans elder. Oh, oh, I love that. Trans elder. An agender like, trans elder. Tr- no, no, no. Or trans, ace- trans femme trans elder. Okay. Who is kind of like, I don't care about shaving anymore. <laughs> 
You know, <laughs> she said, "I do not have to present to you in a certain yeah. way." Uh, non-binary people, trans elder. Non-binary people don't owe you androgyny. She exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god! Especially when she comes back as Gandalf the White with that lace laid. Oh laid. my god! Like, what were the hair and makeup people on Lord of the Rings doing that people in current day movies? cannot replicate. Like, we saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness last night, and Doctor Strange's hairline was so clocky. The wigs were not right. And then in fucking the 90s, we had people blending Gandalf edges like butter. Butter. It was melted. I honestly, okay, I I would love to talk about, like, watching the the franchise in adulthood versus watching this childhood, because I recently rewatched, and that was actually one of the things that I noticed was the way that Gandalf really was kind of queeny. Like, he loved a reveal, okay? Like, when he came up and all white, pretended to be Saruman just for the gag. Just for the gag! Just for the gag! Just to make an entrance! And then he did it again when he went to, um, not Helm's Deep, when he went to Rohan to to find the poisoned king. Do you think RuPaul RuPaul would play Gandalf in a Lord of the Rings remake? Shut the fuck up. Absolutely not. But, like, literally, when he came to Rohan and he was, you know, trying to um, basically eradicate the poison from Theoden that Saruman was, like, possessing him. And, like, is giving Gandalf the gray. Yes, and then then all of a sudden, you thought, you thought, (laughs) Gandalf the white. (laughs) She brings it to you every ball. (laughs) She took off her cloak and she said, (laughs) 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 And then, like, you know, um, Aragorn and, uh, like, a last backup dance, kind of. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) fool of a (laughs) toque. You were telling me that Ian McKellen turned down another role to do this, yeah? Oh, yeah. So Ian McKellen did not play Dumbledore because he was like, well, I already played Gandalf. So, like, I'm not going to do another Mm. wizard moment. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, it would be way too repetitive. Like, those are the two most famous elder wizards ever. Aside from Merlin, you know what I mean? So, like, for one person to play all of them just would be not right. Um, I do love the battle between Saruman and Gandalf in Fellowship of the Rings, where they're just basically, like, grunting at each other. They're, like, with their staffs, they're like, just, like, hours of footage that are just, (laughs) 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 welcome to, like, a virgin. (laughs) And then when she's, like, Saruman is, like, spinning the staff, and then Gandalf goes up into the ceiling. Yeah, that is actually... Um, and then, like, uh, does a dip. <laughs> does a dip when he hits I am, the roof. I am by no means a gamer, but at the time, I, w- I, I was uh, a loser and had no friends. So the Lord of the Rings games, video games, are exceptional. I didn't know they were video games. Oh, my God, Never of course. They are all... I mean, I'm, not a, I'm not a video gamer so in any way. The Two Towers was kind of the, the, the first real video game to hit the market, and it was amazing. And then they really leveled up with Return of the King which is uh, definitely the best video game. But, like, I'll, I'm just bringing it up because, like, the majority of you playing this game is, like, Gandalf and others just doing, ha, hoo-ha, yeah, you know, like, the entire time. Um, and it never it never got old. Like, I, I, I remember, I, like, completed the Return of the King video game, like, 17 times in my in my um, childhood. I, I loved that video I game. just searched Lord of the Rings Thunderpuss Remix in YouTube and nothing the John, came up. John, no really, John Williams really, for us? Really upset. Um, but you know what I was obsessed with? The song that Billy Boyd, who plays Pippin, um, sings. What is that? And song? that has a great remix. 
<laughs> Does yes, yes, yes. Literally Google it. We should listen to it right now. It's an amazing club remix of Pippin's song. Pippin's song, Edge of Night. <laughs> this is not the one that I was thinking of. Okay, but I'm like, still feeling it. Though. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. <laughs> Okay, well, that one's well, kind of postmodern. I will be adding this to my um, Hot Girl Walk playlist. Love that. Um, anyways, I, I did love that song as well. I I I will complain briefly that um, there are too many songs in general in the Lord of the Rings books. Too many songs, too many poems. They love to sing a song. They love to say a, a, a riddle. Things in rhyme, riddles. Oh, my God. Riddle me this. Uh, oh, my God. Ho- the Hobbit is prime, predominantly riddles. Like, it, it is. Well, that's how um, in the original, you know, telling of The Hobbit, Gollum is much more of a sort of, like, tricksy yeah. character than an outright villain. Yeah, um, but the riddles were, like, very, like, snapple. Riddles in the dark. They were That's very, the like, name of that chapter. S- snapple bottle cap kind of riddles. Like, <laughs> yeah, very, yeah, yeah, and then, totally. then, but, and then the like, songs, what would be on a popsicle? <laughs> the songs are giving very, like, dove secrets chocolate. Like, like I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like a lot of um the, the, the songs were very saccharine and did not move the plot at all and very just as a writer from a writer's perspective like indulgent and like Tolkien needed an editor I'm sorry like they both of them needed editors I think C.S. Lewis was better at editing himself because his books were like a little bit more for children but like when they were sitting there like at the Eagle and Child the pub that they famously wrote like their books at together they should have edited each They're other. They're just like us, writing books in a fucking coffee shop. <laughs> in a fucking guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis sitting at their laptops across from each other, each with iced oat lattes being like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm thinking that, like, maybe Gimli is going to have, like, an arc here. And then and then C.S. Lewis is like, yeah, that sounds great, bro. And then, like, do you want to go in the bathroom and suck like, each other off? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you think that you could send this stuff to your agent? Like, oh, I don't have an agent, bro. Like, I'm so but like that is a kind of like you know Hollywood. I wonder if there's behavior. C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, real person fan fiction. Definitely, there's one thousand percent is. Yep, there is. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. 
thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Paid by up-level rewards. Paid participation required at your portrayal. Attention all listeners. Are you ready to earn $750? Well, get ready because I'm about to introduce you to GetMy750.com, the ultimate way to earn. Here's the scoop. Instead of just streaming shows or playing games on your phone for nothing, you have the chance to earn additional cash. That's right. From trying out new subscriptions to playing your favorite mobile games, you can get extra cash in your pocket. Simply sign up at GetMy750.com and follow the instructions to start earning immediately. So, what are you waiting for? Turn your favorite apps into real cash with GetMy750.com. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to earn rewards for things you're already doing on your phone. Check out GetMy750.com today. That's right. Get started right now at GetMy750.com. Just go to GetMy750.com or Google Get My 750 Cash. Follow the simple instructions and get your $750. That's GetMy750.com. GetMy750.com. Okay, one gripe I have with Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. which is... okay. First aside of all, from the fact that there are no women. Aside from the fact that there are no women. Okay, first of all... It's very gay. Lord of the Rings obviously is very gay. Everyone's fighting over a piece of jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, love that. <laughs> love that. Love that. They, they really um, want babe, their just Tiffany. go check out the Essence sale. They, there's like always fifteen percent. Yeah, some off. Justine Clouseau. But what the fuck does Sauron even want with the ring? Like, there's no, there's nothing, there's no like specification about what it's going to do when he gets it. It's just like. He becomes more powerful. That's kind of why Campbellian narratives are often very flat, and li- like, or especially when it's like in action. But like, the, it's a MacGuffin. It's yeah. like the same thing as we, like we always it's talk like, about with Marvel movies. It's like they spend the whole movie looking for this thing that like. You don't even really get why they need it. The motivation is not necessarily there, and the villain is not that interesting because all he wants is power and immortality. And I guess it's it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. It's about the journey, it really is. Um, And and the, the... the films are like the plots are really complex and yet extremely simple because yes. they follow archetypes and um, I think it's a cock ring. I think Sauron is a huge <laughs> cock and the well, ring will um adjust to I was fit gonna it. say the ring famously adjusts yes. to size. And so if you put, put it around it your cock. peen, um that would actually be a really useful invention. Like a metal adjustable cock ring. Okay, well, like, I feel like hobbits probably have a lot of orgies in Hobbiton. Oh, for sure. Also, we have said this on the podcast before. We need to go to New Zealand and go to Hobbiton. Someone needs to sponsor us to do this. We will do ads for whatever fucking New Zealand Board of Tourism 
anyone asks are us they, to. Are the borders even open in New Zealand yet? I don't care. Are they just like, have they, are they holding Lord you can put me. You can put me in a barrel like the dwarves in The Hobbit <laughs> and send me down the river. I just want to go to Hobbiton. <laughs> yeah, and Lord will be there at, at the edges, at the edges of the oh continent. Oh my God. Yeah. And she, she's, you know. In, Soil of power. She's in full elven garb and she's like, oh. Do you think Lord likes Lord of the Rings? Lord of, of the, the Rings? Rings? I mean, she obviously, I think that Lord of the Rings has to be integral to New Zealand like Kiwi culture, right? Like, yeah. they're probably inextricably linked. So I would imagine that she is a, is a Lord of the Rings fan, but she famously only watches a few movies a year. Has Lord ever uttered the words, fool of a toque? No, she hasn't, unfortunately. But she has shushed a lot of people, which Gandalf does do. Hush, shush, shush. <laughs> this is what the whole podcast has been. <laughs> just, it's just uh, us uh, making uh, noises. <laughs> I think Gandalf and Saruman are giving such X energy. Like, yes! they so obviously used to date, and there's a lot, and there was a bad breakup. Yeah, and Gandalf, like, you know, like, really wants his, like, Joni Mitchell vinyl collection back. Okay, I'm retracting my earlier <laughs> Oh, no, here's what it is, bitch. <laughs> Here's what it is. So okay. I was going to say I was going to retract my statement that Gandalf was a, a, a like, trans elder because I was going to say, like, no, Gandalf's gay because he and Sauron are exes. No, they were exes, and then Gandalf chose Transi- to live her truth live and her transition, truth. And, and Saruman has been a bitter bitch about it ever since. Yeah, it's giving homophobic. It's giving transphobic Transphobic, gays. transphobic gay. Oh my yeah, god, we yeah. just unlocked this, bitch. How could you be transphobic and have a lace front like that? Like, come on. It's, like, uh, have you met any drag queens ever? <laughs> have you met RuPaul? <laughs> well, RuPaul's lace front is so, I mean, the best lace front of money, money can buy. Yes. Who's your favorite Lord of the Rings villain? Probably the Witch King of Angmar. He was pretty sick from the first movie to the end. They. We, they, don't, we don't know their agenda. You're actually 100% right. Forgive me. Um, I would say, in the words in the words of Charlene, if you don't have any pronouns, I'm going to use the one that you look like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, that's not if true If you find me. that I'm, a problematic uh, statement, please don't follow yeah, Charlene don't, on don't, Twitter. Don't, yeah, don't follow Charlene on Twitter. Anyways, um, I think they were um, a kind of transcendent villain that had so many different, it had, you know, an elevation onto the dragon that was really satiating. And Gollum, to me, got repetitive and annoying. Saruman was queenie, but actually removed himself from a lot of the movie. He, he wasn't, he was supposed to be, I'm sure you know this, like a big part of the third film slash book, wherein at, even after um Frodo destroys the ring, they have to go back to Isengard to fight Saruman and take over Isengard. But to me, like, yeah, the, the Witch King of Angmar is, like, maybe the the most uh, boss-ass bitch of the villains. What about you? Well, I'm gonna, th- I'm gonna actually throw out a little surprise here mm. and let you know that maybe not my favorite, but I think in terms of performances... Benedict Cumberbatch's Smaug actually eats in the Hobbit trilogy. I forgot that he did that. We have not really touched on the Hobbit trilogy much because it's bad. I think um, the first movie is actually really good. Well, when you know the story behind the Hobbit trilogy, it's actually really sad the way it all went down. How and so? I would I would suggest I'm gonna give like a, a very like truncated explainer on this. And if you want something that's a little more in depth, I would really recommend watching 
Lindsay Ellis's trio of video essays about The Hobbit on YouTube. But basically, The Hobbit was initially supposed to be two movies directed by Guillermo del Toro, Mm. which would have been incredible. Yeah. And they were going to be much more, like, truer to the books. Like, they were going to be really, like, for children, like, have a a distinctive visual style that was much more del Toro than it was Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. Mm. And then... They had already done two years of pre-production on The Hobbit when Guillermo del Toro was fired. Wow. And they brought Peter Jackson in to take over the movies and make them much more stylistically in line with Lord of the Rings. I didn't know that. And to reference Lord of the Rings much more. Because, you know, there's, um, in The Hobbit, there's a necromancer who, like, you find out is actually Sauron in disguise. But, like, it's kind of just, like, an afterthought in the books. And, like, they make it such a big plot in the movies. And, um... There's also a lot of stories about how, like, when they were shooting the films, like, it was originally supposed to be two, and then they made the decision to make them three, but it happened while the movies were already shooting. Oh, and none of, the, none of the cast ever knew, like, which movie the scene <laughs> they were shooting was supposed to go in. Oh, God. Um, the, a lot of the actors who played the dwarves were, like, really mistreated by the production company. And um, it actually, The Hobbit had this whole political controversy in which, like, labor laws were rewritten in New Zealand because of it. Oh, my God. It's just, like... It was a huge mess, and you can definitely feel it in those movies, which are very... Like, the first one's pretty good. The second one is good because of Benedict Cumberbatch's smog. Mm. And if you go and look at any of the -the behind-the-scenes info of him doing the motion capture, like... It's obviously, like, kind of funny because he's crawling around on the floor. But, like, it's a good performance, and his scenes with Bilbo in the cavern are so good and they have great chemistry. Obviously, like anyone who's ever watched the BBC Sherlock knows that Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman have really good chemistry. But um, yeah, he's just a really fun villain. And I wish that we had gotten to see Guillermo del Toro's version of The Hobbit. I also do love there's an animated movie of The Hobbit that I watched a lot when I was a kid that I'm obsessed with. I didn't watch that either. There also similarly is an animated version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe I that I was obsessed with when I was a kid. Oh my God. So the, good. The the witch in that movie is Queen. so fucking fierce. With her little skull cap. So oh, yeah. Um, okay. We should do a Narnia episode, honestly. Nor, nor. Uh, it's too wholesome. That's honestly, like, um, th- something that I resent for no logistical reason, only for a personal one, is that, like, Narnia and Middle-earth and the stories that come with them are extremely, like, family-friendly stories, like, because they were both very Christian and very Oxfordian and very, like, kind of conservative, like, there were no women, and there, yeah. and, you know, and I think that, like, I I do think that the, the film franchise of The Lord of the Rings is, like, untouchable. Like, I would not change a thing about it, aside from the fact that it has no women and no people of But color. that's also why but, we have Game of Thrones. Yeah. Because the whole point of Game of Thrones is it's a deconstruction of these classical fantasy books where the women have no agency mm-hmm. and everyone's like like really just and true and like good triumphs over evil and you know game of thrones is like such a subversion of that and i think it's why 
it was so popular. But also, like, we we wouldn't have that if Lord of the Rings hadn't paved the way for, you know, the mainstream success of fantasy. Because we also can't forget that these movies were huge box office successes and won, like, a trillion Oscars. Yeah. They literally, the third movie tied for most Oscars ever awarded to a film with Titanic. And then after that, Avatar, I believe. But um, can't wait for Avatar: The Way of Water. I know. Um, speaking of like future, future stuff, and like what what happens now to this franchise in mainstream media, Amazon is going to make a TV show about the stories of the Cimmerillion, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be extremely tough for them to build a mythology without referencing Peter Jackson's work even though it, it looks it looks pretty stylistically different and also like there's people of color and women in it I love so that. I that's love great that. yeah that'll that'll matter enough to me i i although it already has created a lot it has unearthed a lot of really ugly racism online yeah um I'm sure. and i'm not looking forward to what that like fuck at least thankfully i'm not on the part of the internet where there's any discourse about that happening yeah so, thank god me know, too i won't see it yeah and but honestly it, fucking sucks that it's happening and like you all are fucking racist (laughs) (laughs) yeah and and i i think honestly peter jackson's like kind of greatest weakness was the level of detail in his textual awareness of the books like he was a student of the appendices and like all the stories that came with the, the the films and even though the adaptation is as true as an adaptation can get in terms of trying to service the original fandom of the books, that that ultimately gave us, you know, some of the problems that we're talking about now in terms well, that's of why diverse I'm, casting, but also, yeah. like, story-wise, making it a little boring sometimes because what we find entertaining in terms of plot and character in the 1930s is very different than what we find entertaining today. Well, that's why I'm very interested to see what this new era of Lord of the Rings media looks like, telling different stories in that universe. And there is kind of a parallel to that happening with Game of Thrones because, you know, right around the same time that the new Lord of the Rings show comes out, we're getting a new Game of Thrones series on HBO Max that similarly takes place in that universe, but a different time period. Mm-hmm. So I'm I I guess excited for this new era of, you know, looking at these legacy fantasy properties and finding ways to tell expanded, more inclusive, and maybe more interesting stories in familiar worlds. Yeah, maybe grounded in a kind of contemporary sensibility more, you know? I think that— So maybe we'll finally get to see someone eat a hobbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the most contemporary thing about the film franchise is maybe its sense of humor and how, you know, those jokes are still funny when we watch them now. Fool but, of a duke. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, toss me! You know what I mean? Like, those are, like, moments that are still funny because the characters are built really nicely. Yes. But I don't You know. shall not— Pass! Talk about transphobia. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, but... Wait, I mean, but that's Gandalf the, talking to herself. That, that's what I was going to ask you. What does that mean in yeah. the context of her as a trans elder? It's that. It's why she, you know, she's decide, She's like, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to sacrifice my life for these hobbits and fight the Balrog. And it's okay because I'll never pass. Yeah, because she's... The moan's not worth it. Oh, my God. We'll be back next week with a discussion on all things theme parks. 
with Matt Rogers. Very excited to talk about Disney, Universal, Six Flags. Um, and I'll be the virgin because I've only really been to two theme parks. So, yeah. So it's going to be quite a roller coaster. If you will, if you will. Uh, you can follow our Instagram at likeavirgin42069 for updates on future episodes. And, you know, tag us in what you think we should talk about next. Or you can slide into our DMs because we do check them. You can also tweet. You can leave a suggestion uh, as a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, a book, a show, a movie, a phenomenon. We want to hear from you. And, of course, the hotline is still open. You can call to confess at 323-PENANCE. That's 323-736-2623. I'm your co-host, Fran Torado. You can find me at Fran Squishko wherever you want on social. And I'm Rose Domu. You can find me at Rose Domu wherever. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen. Leave us a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. Like a Virgin is an iHeartRadio production. Our producer is the Phoebe Unter with support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Krainchich, and Nikki Etor. Until next week, sayonara, virgins. I passed the test. <laughs> I will diminish and go into the West and remain. Let it be Galadriel. <laughs> And then there'd have to be slow, quiet tambourines. And she would kind of chant. And she chants a little more. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.